Hello, beautiful alchemist. Welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda. And today we have a very interesting conversation. This is actually a topic um, that I've personally been curious about for some time, but I know that some of you have been as well. And not only is it an interesting topic, but we will learn from a very interesting and inspiring couple. So Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Elsbeth Moit and Freddie Zental Weaver, and they are the founders of Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago. And what they're going to share with us today is all about sexual enlightenment and how this really is a reflection of um, awakening to our true original nature. And it's funny, they actually wrote a book, they co-authored a book called Sexual Enlightenment. And when I read it, I smiled all the way through because there were so many reflections of their teachings that really mirror the teachings of Reiki. And if you know me at all, you know that one of my joys is studying all different philosophies and practices and teachings because it is amazing to me how they all do point back to the very same thing, this recognition and awakening to our true nature. But because we have this opportunity to look at it all from various angles and points of view, it also, I think, gives us a deepening of understanding. And for example, what they share about sexual energy and sexual enlightenment it may even give you some inspiration and insight about your practice of Reiki and even what has been revealed to you in your process. So these two are married and they <laughs> had such beautiful energy. I mean, they really literally, there is this radiance about them. And Dr. Elsbeth, she has a very particular type of energy, which you'll notice. And then her husband, he also has a very unique um, energy and expression. And it was fascinating watching the, the contrast of the two, but how they work so beautifully together. So as I mentioned, they have a Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago, although they also um, facilitate classes and workshops via Zoom. And they have authored books, as I mentioned, one of them being Sexual Enlightenment. But they also were featured in a Showtime documentary called Sexual Healing. They've also been on a show that was on NBC called Starting Over. And they just are experts at this point, not just in the um, philosophy and teachings of Tantra, but in what it means to really be into a, a deep, intimate relationship with ourselves. And again, what this even reveals to us, coming into this deep, intimate connection with ourselves and understanding sexual energy, not in the lens of just, you know, the act of sex, but on a deeper level, understanding the nature of the creative force and <laughs> the passion and inspiration of this, this texture of life force energy. So I think that what they share will be very eye-opening for so many of you. I had more questions than I had time to ask, but I really hope that you enjoy this conversation. 
If you want to learn more about Dr. Elsbeth and Freddie Weaver, be sure to visit their website called tantranova.com. The link for that, of course, is down in the show description. Um, but they also very generously um, provided a free offer for all of you listening. So if you go down in the show description, you will see the link to access the free offer as well. And they will tell us a bit about that in the episode. Now, before we get to it, um, I also wanted to let you know that, you know, the year is coming to an end. I am currently teaching Pulse of Reiki, which I told you all about, and it has been incredible. It is so much fun for me. I can't tell you how much I enjoy uh, going deeper into Reiki technique, principle, and concepts, Um even, you know, after people do Reiki training and classes, that's when a lot of our questions come up. And you also know, I am a big believer in continuing to expand our understanding and to continue to learn, even if we are teaching. So it so far has been an incredible class. And I'm so thankful for those of you who are joining me there. Um, the registration for that is now closed. However, I may offer it again, and we may focus on other aspects of Reiki that we didn't cover in this one. But there are other classes that are coming up in 2024, including the annual free numerology class that I teach every January, and I don't want you to miss it. It's free, and um, it's always a lot of fun as well. So be sure that you are signed up for my newsletter, just go to theenergeticalchemist.com, sign up for the newsletter so you will be sure to know about any upcoming classes, any free offerings, upcoming podcast. You'll also get an email with the energy of the month every month. So sign up for the newsletter. There are some other free goodies in there for you. The other thing I wanted to let you know is I also have some... Reiki merch that is going to be available. I'm so excited about this as well. I've been designing it and putting it all together and um, you'll be able to see that very soon as well. It'll be available on my website. So that is it. That's all that I needed to catch you up with for now. Can't wait to get into this conversation with you and would love to hear what you think on the other side. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at Reiki Radio. You can always DM me, tag me, send me messages, whatever you like. I always respond. I will see you on the other side. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reiki Radio. Today, we are here with Dr. Elsbeth Moit and Freddie Zental Weaver. They are the authors of Sexual Enlightenment and the founders of the Tantra Nova Institute in Chicago. Welcome both. Thank you so much for being here today. Great to be here. Thanks, Yolanda, for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Well, listen, I told you before we started recording, I have so many questions. Very excited to talk about your work and all that you offer. Um, also, in reading your book, Sexual Enlightenment, which I recommend everyone get your hands on that, you both share at the beginning of the book your stories of how you even came into the work of Tantra. But before we get to your actual story, can you just start by telling everyone why the practice and the work of Tantra, what it is, 
and how it can be of benefit for us to imply in implement imply implement in our lives. Imply to implement, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, Tantra is one of the original yogas of the energetic body, unlike Hatha yoga of the physical form. And it's all energy. Our thoughts have energy. Um, and there are many variations of Tantra. Mm -hmm. Tantra Nova, Tantra Nu. So we're integrating aspects of the Eastern approaches to Tantra, working with sexual energy, life force energy as a transformational vehicle, which we'll get into later. And some of the Western approaches to transformation in terms of generative language, how we create our reality and language and creative self-discovery, how we discover new aspects of ourselves in music, movement, and art. Mm -hmm. And we put our own gestalt together and uh, create a Tantra Nova, Tantra Nu. Um, it's valuable to everybody in a body who's willing. <laughs> yes. So it is uh, building on, you know, that you are coming from Reiki, and Reiki is all about life with energy and uh, using that wonderful energy for healing, for expanding, for growing, for harmonizing, for integrating, reintegrating. In the tantric practice... We also draw on that energy and we also involve the life force energy as sexual energy. Because mm -hmm. life force energy is ultimately sexual energy. What I mean by that is it doesn't mean it always shows up in a sexual way in the expression. But when we look at life force sexual energy, it is that life-giving energy that brought us into this world None of us would be sitting here in this conversation if it hadn't been for that energy. And so the energy shows up, life force energy shows up at different gradations. So for example, right now it's subtle energy while you as the audience are listening, I'm speaking. And then when I take a walk or work out at Lake Michigan and I feel the breeze touching my skin i'm not highly aroused however it feels very pleasant so there is a slight race in that energy and then of course all the way up to a climax or an ejaculation when the energy is quite high in it in its excitement so in the tantric practice we can learn to use that energy in a way as if we were playing a flute, you know, with all the different registers and we become more attuned to it. We can stay on a five or on a seven or just enjoy a two. So that's in a nutshell. Yeah. And, you know, once you get into this, it becomes bigger than the bedroom. So, right. you know, many people come to it. Oh, I want to have that spiritual experience in the bedroom and have, you know, a deeper connection. And certainly the practices that you'll learn will inform your mutual lovemaking, though there's a specific ritual that we teach in our workshops. That is what if you're an ind individual working with yourself, it's a self-love practice or you're working with someone else, a partner, then it's, the, it's sexual meditation, both both ways. Uh, and the idea there is working with the altered state of the sexual in that moment when we're in the sexual, whether we're doing consciousness work or not, we're more open, loving, vulnerable, receptive. We're in an altered state of awareness. Chemically, we're changed, more endorphins, serotonin, oxytocin, the feel-good hormones. Mm -hmm. So with the distinctions that we teach in terms of breath awareness, uh, energetic awareness, and intention, like I want to create 
a more fulfilling uh, work or a place to live or a relationship, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, we get more connected to in that altered state of intimacy to the subconscious aspects, energetically, emotionally, and story-wise, neurosynaptically, the stuff that keeps us spinning and creating what we've been getting to then be familiar with that, to get some distance from it and what I call flatten it so that we can keep moving with grace, ease, and flow towards that thing we most deeply desire. And that's what we've seen show up for people. Some people do plant medicine. You can do nature walks. You can do meditation retreats. But very few practices of transformation I know teach how to work with the sexual altered state of consciousness to shift something in your life. Right. And so this is why, in part, I was so curious and looking forward to having this conversation with the two of you, because I think a lot of times when we talk about sexual energy, people think automatically like in the bedroom and whether or not. I don't know, like what our relationship is to our bodies and our level of attraction or level of arousal with another person or even with ourselves, right? And we may go through different stage, stages and phases of that with life, with ourselves, mm -hmm. and even with different people we encounter. Yes. But I have always been very curious about just the aspect of even what Elsbeth brought to mind, that this there's a range there and that creative force, that creative nature, how it stirs in us, somehow how you were describing the wind on your hands and this and that, it, it brought to mind the, the, I want to say maybe the passive and the active aspects of our sexual, sexual energy. So like where maybe that creative force in us, sometimes it is, it's just very receptive and we're so tuned into our sensory, but it doesn't necessarily mean arousal to your point but then we can slide up the scale where it becomes more active and we're like oh you know <laughs> need to move that energy in a different kind of way so I wanted to know if you um, both could talk a little bit about this just so that we have more of an understanding of how we're all working with sexual energy even if we're not in bed Mm -hmm. Yeah, Good. so sexual energy is the distinction is there that sexual energy can show up in the sex act. But sexual energy is not always the sex act. Right. It's distinctly different. The sex, sex act is the action. In one way, how it can be expressed. That's just one way. I can, you know, breathe up my wonderful orgasmic energy from my sexual center. The sexual center of a woman in Sanskrit is called Yoni, Y-O-N-I, and translated, it means sacred space. You know, just imagine, Yolanda, if you and I would have had been introduced to our sexual center when we were 13 years old, as our sacred space, how differently our sexual trajectory may have gone. Yeah. So I know for myself, it would have gone differently because I was raised more in like, don't go there, wait until you're married. And then always my question, is it then someone else's energy? Or, no, it's always has been my energy. My life was energy. So then I could bring really reverence and cherishing to that wonderful energy and engage with my yoni, my sacred space in that way 
instead of staying away or thinking, oh, it's sinful or, you know, that's all constrictive in terms of energy. We want to be in the flow and back to the distinction between sexual energy and the sex act. I can just, when I feel a pleasant feeling in my sacred space, I can just breathe that up, that tingling up into my heart. And then that opens my heart. And then I feel like, hmm, my yoni speaks not to my heart. Yeah. You know, it can be really sensed in a visceral way. And life becomes so much more colorful, so much more fragrant, so much more flowing, you know, because my senses are really awakened. And not just like at a certain moment for five minutes or half an hour or when I'm in the bedroom. No, I may want to have a two-hour wonderful lovemaking session that involves my whole being from the sexual center to my heart, to my third eye, to my spiritual self, my consciousness self. I like then to circulate that energy with my beloved of course, for that, we want to make sure that both of the partners do their own practice so they are familiar with energy circulation. Yes. Okay. So you bring up a really good point. And I have to say, it's funny listening to you say that both of you are just glowing, right? And I'm like, oh, this has to be because of the work they're doing, right? You both have a certain kind of radiance. Um, however, it's very interesting. And I have to ask you this for everyone listening. I have heard so many times in this realm of energy work and Reiki, a lot of people, when they start working on themselves and they start becoming curious, more self-reflective in these types of things, even without meaning to these different energies, no matter how subtle may start to shift and change in us. So we start having a different way of seeing things come into like different wants, different curiosities, different feeling. We may even become sensitive to certain energies that we weren't necessarily aware of before, right? But a lot of people notice a shift in their sexual energy. So now all of a sudden, they could have been with their partner for 10 years and everything was fine, but now it doesn't feel right to them because that depth or something just feels missing, so I wanted to ask you both about the importance of our self-practice as it comes to working with our sexual energy, but then also what can happen in that mm, disconnection if one person is in that type of space of awareness and one person isn't. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, keep building on this idea, this theme, excuse me. So yeah, when you start waking up, when we start waking up, to our deep desires. So people come to our work and they do an intake. They write what they want to get out of the work. So then they do the work and then they get in, do the sexual meditation. They go through a, a series of active and passive processes and uh, get actionable insights and so on. And then they start to wake up to what they've been doing to create what they've been getting because they've shifted now. And now they see, oh, I'm, I'm shifting now what I used to do, what I used to believe, what I used to just move towards autom automatically. And if they're in relationship and the other is part of what is shifting, then that's discussed, that's changed. And then it's for the for that person to decide 
to either be with because there are reasons why that they choose or whatever. They just choose to be in that relationship or they choose to grow with it, change it or the other, be, you know, so that's life, right? We, we live, we we're born, we live, we die. It's always changing. So that, that can happen. Yes. For people. Um, yeah. So it's essential in relationship that to really invite the other to go on the path together mm -hmm. um that doesn't mean that we couldn't be stay in the relationship but there may be conflict the thing is oftentimes in relationship there's something maybe that is like a, an edge and maybe hasn't been talked about we get many couples who are in the peak of their sexual aliveness in their 30s or what have you and they've been together for maybe five or six years and you know she's like i don't know if you love me and he's like of course i love you honey and he's pointing at his erection and she's, yeah, but can you kiss me with your heart? So for men in the tantric practices, learning how to separate ejaculation from orgasm is one of the fundamental edicts in all of the variations of tantra there are for, for a variety of reasons. One, it will inform your lovemaking. A lot of people, guys come to tantra because that's what they learn. They can last forever. But more than lasting, a lot of guys can last a long time. It's not about just lasting, thinking about Babe Ruth, counting backwards from a thousand, distracting yourself. We're talking about consciously circulating what we call this orgasmic nectar. And it's in that process, one, as a man, brings consciousness to this automatic unconscious aspect of ourselves. So the man, we're run by our little head our whole life. You know, for men, there's two emotions that basically are modeled and okay. That's, excuse my French, fucking and fighting. Mm -hmm. So in the practice to learn to bring your, your sexual energy to your heart with your breath and energetic awareness requires letting go of this automatic, what appears oftentimes to, to your partner as, you know, uh, lust, selfish love, you know, even though that's where men in the sexual experience are, are really allowed to cry, feel intimate, feel tender, right? So when they start to subtly move this subtle energy, that is pervasive. It becomes more than the bedroom. When you bring consciousness to the sexual, the awareness in that process in sexual meditation starts to show up in areas of life that seem completely unrelated to sex and the simple process of living. So when I start listening energetically, like you were talking about the feeling of uh, something pleasurable, in that intimate sexual meditation, pleasure starts to become very present to you. So the, the pleasure of a thought, the pleasure of conversation, the pleasure of what the vibration is that's happening in the conversation or the connection with your partner. You become very sensitive to vibration frequency. And that that's where it can really make a shift more quickly. Things don't stop happening. We just, it doesn't stick around as long. Right. Yeah. So this is interesting because with what you both share again, it, it's, and I have to say, I told you before we recorded your book was mirroring so much of what a lot of us practice within energy work. And this is just like another lens that gives us, I think, a deeper understanding of our personal expression, but also that consideration of what happens in partnership and in union. But with even what you just shared, the curiosity came up about, you know, a lot of people talk now about the divine feminine, the divine masculine, healing these energies where we may have traumas, where we may have misunderstanding. A lot of people feel disconnected from body, disassociated with body because of personal traumas. And a lot of it is unconscious. We may not even realize this just reminded me of too. something in your book. You told a story where it reveals how a lot of times we're wearing masks and don't even really consciously know what it is that we're 
um, generating beneath the surface that is affecting our sexual energy, our creative life force, all of this. So I wanted to ask if you can speak a little bit about how this helps us to really come into that relationship of understanding those energies, feminine, masculine, even just within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then also um, how this has made a difference in the lives of the people you work with. Yes, yes. So on my own journey, you know, opening up to the feminine was a big part. So I came to Tantra in later in life, unlike Freddie, who was introduced to it when he was in his teens. Mm. So I remember in the 90s, I was a management consultant and I traveled the world. I had gotten very good at consulting yet I was really despaired over intimate relationships. I had this pattern of attracting unavailable men. And while that was exciting at times, you know, most of the time I was alone. Yeah. There came, it, it hit me when I, when I hit 50, it really hit me. Then I could see the trajectory. If I was not going to, change that pattern of attracting unavailability, I would end up without lasting intimacy and love in my life before I leave this planet. And I just didn't want to settle for that. So then I put my mind on Elspeth, whatever it takes to shift that, go do it. So I delved deeply into meditation and then started uh, studying Tantra and not just reading a book here and there, no, really immersing myself in the practice and the discipline. And what opened up for me, what I got to see in the healing process, because the Tantric practice can lead us to healing of deep primal nature. What I discovered there was that I had held distrust towards men. Now, Yolanda, I didn't know about that. I, if you had known me like 25 years ago, you know, you would have, no, you would not have called me a distrusting bitch. Mm. <laughs> it was charming. I was inviting. I reeled them in. And, um, but underneath, you know, in the subconscious, not accessible to the conscious mind, there was this sliver of not trusting. And in the healing work, that is, there's one particular practice that is a ritual that is dedicated to the woman. And I was the receiver. I, of course, started by myself, solo, as a single woman. And I worked with a practice partner. Freddie was not in my life yet. So that ritual was so life-changing for me. Because when I was touched inside my yoni, around 11 o'clock and this ritual is not about having sex it is about for the woman to receive and to listen more deeply to her yoni because we hold memory on the cellular level of the yoni walls the vaginal walls mm -hmm. that unless we actually go visit those places we may never discover what may be stored there and what, when I got touched, what came back to me was a vivid memory from when I was 18 years old. 
first boyfriend, first love. We had this lovely, blissful relationship. And then one day he asked me to have intercourse. I said yes, although I was not ready. It was freakingly painful. I had to go to the gynecologist. The bill went to my house. My dad opened it. All hell broke loose. He called me a whore. The boyfriend left the relationship a few weeks later. So I was totally, I, I just was so heartbroken. All, you know, by myself, alone, no one to turn to. And that was a very particular moment when I made a decision. You know, the kind of nanosecond second decisions we make in order to cope, mm -hmm. which for me was something like, see, Elspeth, men are not there when you really need them. Mm. And that decision trailed me into my young adulthood, my adulthood. And no wonder that I attracted unavailable men, because that was further proof that men are not there for you when you need them. Now, that was not consciously done. You know, it's the subconscious that then run us, runs us. And so by uncovering that and by literally re-experiencing this through the touch in my yoni, in my sacred space, it opened up like opening up a valve. So just like when we open a valve, the steam gets more intense, mm -hmm. though the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain mm -hmm. of the 18-year-old, you know, whew, and then just like the steam over time fizzles out, the pain got released, cleared, and then in place of it, what opened up, or what I opened up to was deeper trust in myself, because often that goes first. You know, like, why didn't you speak up? You cannot even count on yourself to ask for what you want, you know? So to reshift that into, oh, I can trust myself and count on myself again, then deeper trust in men in general. And then Freddie Santal, six months later, came into my life. Ta -da! Yeah, well, this is what was so interesting, reading that story in the book, because you two had very different very different experiences um especially in the arena of you know sexual energy and expressions of this um not just with yourselves but even the parents that you had so we have to get freddie's story of course as well but you know reading that contrast of what was going on with you two not knowing each other yet and then you do this work elspeth does the work and then all of a sudden you open up to a different type of not just experience and relationship, but a different, um, it's like to say, maybe you called in a different experience with the masculine to now show you a different variation because you weren't holding on to that belief anymore. So it's, it's very interesting that this happened for you. So we have to hear what happened on Freddie's side of the fence because mm -hmm. you were living La Vida on the boat. <laughs> well, you know, Elspeth's story is so perfect in terms of what this work does in that yeah. all state. Because on the surface, she wanted relationship. Right. But in the background, unconsciously, she, her ego needed to be right about there's no good men. Because when she had that decision, it was a very impacting moment in her life. Yes. So those impacting moments and decisions that we make that live really deeply for us. 
So the good news is, though, even though we all look into the world from this clay, from that molding of experience and modeling and so on, is our imagination, which is to imagine and visualize and believe something that's never been before in our life. So the work, this energetic work is really about the energy that we are, the clay that we are, these carbon units that we are connected to this this infinite, you know, um, consciousness that we are as well. So uh, I was first introduced to the practices that um, we teach when I was 13 years old in our book. And I was going through my puberty, living in Hawaii and spending a lot of time in the shower. <laughs> so as a lot of guys at that age are. And so my father at the time was a practicing psychiatrist and took pity on me and gave me a book to read on how to integrate sex and meditation, sexual meditation. Wow. I loved it. My girlfriend loved it. And, you know, more than that, like Elspeth's story, I had this dream, this idea to go on to college on athletic scholarship, but had a belief that I couldn't do it living in Hawaii in terms of the competition, in terms of the recognition, in terms of the training. Well, I did go on to college on athletic scholarship, and I did it with East Grace and Flow. I did all the things that guys would do to do that, going to summer camps and playing and da-da-da-da. But it was like, just came to me. It was like, I just like, like, you don't notice red cars until you have one. They're always there. So my belief shifted, and then it started coming in. Well, so you use that <clears throat> meditation, sexual meditation, to fuel... To shift my belief, right, mm -hmm. at a neurosynaptic level, yeah. And so after college, I kept doing these practices and going to workshops and reading books and applying these principles in my relationship, knowing what I knew about my own inspirational life. I was a software business in San Francisco for 15 years, and first it was great, and after about 10 years, it was just a job. So I wanted to re-engage and reinvigorate my, my engagement. So there was an opportunity in Chicago, a company, and so they hired me, move, and I they moved me here, and that was 22 years ago. I was single, online, looking for Shakti, a female tantra partner, and Elspeth's profile showed up. So we're one of the original online couples, dating, dating couples, and uh, we met. In almost six months to the day, we what I call transcended the romantic drama by creating Tantra Nova. We didn't have a baby. We did buy property together, but we. Um, you know, this work has been so much in terms it's of our baby is our baby. <laughs> and it's been so much in terms of my authentic sharing of who I am and my service to the world collectively and individually um, sharing these practices with people. Okay. So this, this, I do want to get into too. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, your Institute that you put together, the Tantra Nova, but I have to ask you both this because it, I, it just dawned on me. Throughout life, you know, sprinkled around people hear Tantra, we hear Tantra, and there are a lot of ideas attached to that, to what it is. And like, to your point, like men think like, oh, I can just last longer. This is going to be great. I honestly don't know. Now that I say that, I feel like I've only heard about it primarily from that more the lens of what happens in the male body, not so much on the yeah, interesting. But my question is, sometimes you hear people talk about it in such a way, like you both have said, I breathe it up and the essence speaks to my heart. I breathe it up. So what is that? What are you saying of bringing that energy that we may identify as arousal or like, I don't know, intense passion or whatever it is to breathe it up rather than dispel it? or rather than release, what is the difference in how that affects us? Or why would we breathe it up instead of let it out? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So energy <clears throat> can only move and flow with the breath. Mm-hmm. When we don't breathe, we die. It's rather obvious. And in the tantric practice, we make uh, put that consciously to use because we breathe. All of us breathe all the time. Otherwise, we wouldn't be alive. Yeah. And as long as we breathe, life force energy curses through us. We can think of life force energy uh, like blood moves through the arteries and veins. We are not aware of that. Energy, the grid for blood flow is the veins and arteries. The grid for energy flow is the nervous system. So then that is associated with our sensations. So we can actually sense energy when we bring our awareness to it, just like orgasmic feeling is a sensation. And in the tantric practice, we distinguish between the reflex of uh, like the ejaculation or also the climax. It's the same for the woman. The response is different, but the physiological engagement is the same. So there are muscles in the pelvic floor. They start quivering around nine and a half, nine and three quarters on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the ejaculatory or climactic moment. And for the men, that has serious consequences because when that reflex goes off, which is the physiology, then you can think of it, that muscle around the base of the penis or the lingam. Lingam means magic wand or wand of light in Sanskrit. So around that base of that lingam, that wand, there is a a circular muscle, a muscular ring, and that goes off quivers. And that assists in ejaculating the ejaculate. Mm -hmm. And once the ejaculate is gone, the energy is gone. Refractory. So for every ejaculation is a tremendous uh, loss of life force energy for the man. That's why he wants to rest afterwards. For the woman, we don't have that refractory, while the muscles, they, you know, around our yoni opening, the vaginal opening, touches on the G-spot area. That also quivers when we come, right before we come to climax. It enhances, actually, the orgasmic feeling in the sexual center for both men and women. But we don't have that loss of energy. So this is why we once we our energy is reawakened, we can have multiple orgasms, orgasmic waves, just being in this orgasmic ether. Yeah. So when I work with women or when we work with women, we never, as we do with men, ask them to forego the climax. We also ask them not to go for the climax because then we become very muscular, very directional driven. What we often do when we use vibrators, which we don't recommend because they deaden the nerve cells. So we need more and more and more really to start moving with the sensation that may arise 
from the inside of the yoni, the clitoral, clitoral area, and then breathing that sensation up into my heart as if you were, I were breathing in the fragrance of a rose in the same way. And as I said earlier, given that orgasm is frequency, the climax is your a physiological reflex. So, so we can become aware of like the reflex goes off and then I want to breathe because that elongates the orgasmic experience, the feeling, instead of doing glitz like not have what she's having. <laughs> and then <laughs> which stops the orgasmic flow, I keep through uh, breathing through it. Ah, ooh, you know, so that it can move through me from the base of my spine all the way into my heart to the top of my head and beyond and then exhale, move the energy down so that it flows through me circularly. Yeah. And I stay in that feeling for a long time. This is, this is so good. Okay. So this then brings up, I have to ask you all because it's even the name of your book, but why you started your um, Institute to help us all reach what you all call sexual enlightenment. So what you just shared just reminded me of this. So could you explain to everyone why this term and what this means for us, even beyond, again, not just in the bedroom, but right. in our lives? Yes. So sexual superconsciousness. Mm. It was creating life before we had language. And there is an intelligence. When we bring our consciousness to it, what start to show up in areas of life that seem completely unrelated to sex our creativity, the kernel of that energy, and pleasure. So when I start listening in a sexual meditation to my deepest desires and start working through some of the naughties, if you will, or the ambivalence, if you will, or the energetic belief around something that's not believable or story that I have, and I'm listening at that level of listening, internal listening, when I'm out and about and I say, oh, I hate my job 30 more years of retirement, the cascading effect that the energy of that thought has is something that I'm very aware of. So now I can shift to the things I'm grateful about my work, or I shift the work I do. So we can live our lives more authentically, more pleasurably, more fully, so that we don't die like, oh, I wish I could have gone to Disneyland. Ugh. Yeah. We don't die like we're never going to live like we're never going to die and die like we've never lived. So that's the whole idea is how we can use this intelligence to be more alive. There is, again, it creates life. But up until now, it's been vilified. So I say, until we stop the vilification of the sexual, we won't be able to make that spiritual quantum leap to the next level of peace on earth, seeing ourselves in each other. And it's not necessarily about Sodom and Gomorrah. We could teach these practices to nuns and priests if they were vowed to celibacy. It's about being what that energy creates us and leads us to, that intimate vulnerability. When you start, and particularly as a man, start they start to, when I work with the men in the men's workshop, there's a, a self-love practice that, they're, that they do between the first day and the second day. Now, the first day, there does a lot of active and passive meditation practices, active pra practices, uh, uh, emotional awareness practices, lots of exercises to get, you know, actionable insights. 
And in the in that evening, they're given this self-love practice, which is not masturbation. One, it's to not ejaculate. And then it's two, to use the techniques that they learned that day in terms of muscle connect awareness, as Elspeth was talking about, the pubococcygeic, the uh, PC muscle, uh, breath awareness, and how to move breath energy and pleasure energy. Because when we have an orgasm, man or woman, you feel it all over your body and it just feels natural. It just happens. And for three seconds, you're in a blissful state. So learning to, there's a thing called edging that guys and people do where they play at the edge of the orgasm. They get close and they stop. They get close and they stop. So how about being able to breathe through that consciously and move with your breath and awareness of that energy, that feeling, that sensation, that neurosynaptic, you know, euphoria. You can, you can channel that and you can learn to do that. And that becomes a practice that requires some consciousness. And once again, you bring consciousness in that place. It's very easy to be listening for pleasure in places of language, in places of, you know, visual, in places of how you're living your life, how what the stories you have about what you are doing in your life. That's how, how it affects everything in your life outside of the bedroom. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, good. Also build Thanks. on this further, hopping back to your question of the feminine and the masculine. What Freddie just described, what can open up for the men in what I call connecting his sex with his heart. Because most men, when they want to connect, they start feeling it in their sexual center. Most women or the one who is in their feminine could be a man in a same-sex couple. Most of the one who is more in their feminine, we start feeling in our heart center. Mm -hmm. So we both want to connect. We have the same intention, but we come from different loci. He comes from his sexual center. I come from my heart center. So we are like two ships passing in the night. In the tantric practice, the man learns, as Freddie described, moving up his wonderful, sensual, you know, wanting to connect with his beloved energy from his sexual center up into his heart. Now, when his heart opens, I can feel that. Yeah. I feel where his energy comes from, if it comes from his sex or from his heart. Now, he uses the sex energy to fuel his heart. He doesn't, you know, suppress it, repress it, like, oh, I shouldn't feel, no. We transmute it. We you bring it up. You want to use it. It's powerful testosterone energy that wants to be channeled. And then when it comes to the heart, it takes on a different sensibility. Then when I feel that my heart opens, and guess what, Yolanda? When my heart opens, my yoni opens. Mm. And then we have a circuit. It goes back Trust. to his lingam, up into his heart, into my heart, into my yoni. And it's all about circularity because that is how energy shows up anyway in the universe. Yeah. And, when is, God... mm -hmm. and that is where we connect. So that is how a man uses his masculine energy, transmutes it and Use it uses it at, as fuel to share his love. Mm -hmm. And that is where I feel gotten. That is where I feel he's present to himself and to me. And he can stay in this presence. Like for a long time, if this is the male sexual energy, this is my feminine energy down here. He can stay like this for a long time. 
I don't feel rushed. My heart can open. My trust opens. And he's not just waiting to try and get to an orgasm. Right. right. And we can meet on the wave instead of like this. Male sexual energy rises quickly, gets easily excited and drops quickly. While she hangs out here, we don't know if we are coming in or going as women, you know. However, when she is reawakened, that beautiful energy, you know. So for women, the opportunity and challenge is to reawaken the feminine energy that is based in estrogen, which we call the slow hormone. Also, feminine energy hasn't been celebrated over the millennia like masculine energy, you know, like harems, playboys, all is great. When a woman expresses herself sexually fully, she may be considered a whore or a slut, you know. Not marriage material, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mary Magdalene and versus the slut. I like the slut for certain. Anyway, but yeah. it's the freeing of the feminine energy on the sexual, emotional, mental, and spiritual level. So I, as a woman, can be fully in my own flow. And from that, I can share myself more fully with my beloved. This is so interesting. I'm taking notes as you guys are talking. I'm like, I have too many questions. I need you both all day, but I know I can't have you all day. But oh gosh, so there's, I'll, I'll ask two of the three. Actually, I have to ask you these three things. Cool. And then we're really going to talk about Tantra yeah. Nova. So one, with what you both just shared, I'm curious of, it sounds like this work would also awaken and like if, if anyone has emotional blocks, again, some things perhaps we don't even recognize within ourselves, something about having this awareness of the energy and moving it consciously and coming into this relationship and what it may unlock within us with the practices that you all teach, that it could really help us come into not just mm, a healthier connection or relationship to our physical vessel, but to our emotional body. And also when you were describing what you just said, it made me think of how many people may also find their voice or their mm -hmm. authentic voice in this and be okay to say what they want, because that's even a big challenge that so many people have. I mean, just all these light bulbs going off of what your work <laughs> really points to, right? So I one of the questions is, do people tend to have a lot of unexpected breakthroughs? So if I come to you and I'm like, hey, I just want to feel more sexually connected to my partner. That's what I think I'm coming to you for, right? Is it likely that I'm going to have more ahas and unexpected revelations about what's really going on with me? Most definitely. If it's anywhere, Yolanda, it's everywhere. So, you know, someone says, oh, I want to learn to swim. So you take them to the pool and they learn to swim. And then you don't see them for a while. So what have you been doing? Oh, I was swimming in the ocean. Let me tell you. And I went to the rivers in Europe and swam. They swim everywhere. <laughs> so once you start listening in terms of getting that you have choice about the suffering story that we tell ourselves about the subjection to our own lives and get that, oh, wow, I can choose. I can't change the weather, but I can change how I feel about it. Yeah, man. you know, that's what that's power when you really get that you can really start to work with the neurosynaptic story belief around something to believe and create something different yeah. in your life. Yeah, often we 
you know, to actually wake up to it, the linear way usually doesn't take us there because if it was the linear way, we would already have done it. Yes. The mind works linearly, the conscious mind. So through these Vesuvius practices and rituals that really, you know, where we access ourselves on deeper levels, emotional levels, hidden levels that we may never have looked at. Can, can I just, just add that again, the thing that's unique about this as a transformational vehicle is the place the sexual altered state leads us to. Mm. Intimate vulnerability, you can't hide from it. You can listen to the therapist all day. You can get actionable insights and analytical understanding all day. Yet how something lives for us energetically at a deep emotional experiential level, you can't hide from that in the altered state of the sexual. Yeah. And that's what the difference is in terms of how powerful this work can be. For, you know, the last, forever we've been procreating with this energy, it creates life. For the last hundred of years or so, we've been recreating with the development of contraceptives. So what we're teaching is how to co-create with this creative, intelligent energy, how to use it to get and create a life by choice and not be in the suffering mind of the story. I mean, peace on earth is just a thought away. And in the process, we clear out what's what's in the way, what we may not even have known about. So the woman you described who comes who wants to have a better intimate relationship or deeper? What's there in the first place that she doesn't have it? Mm -hmm. It's not the partner. Now, the partner may have things going on for himself. It's always within us. When we don't get something we want, has very little to do with the environment. Mm -hmm. has all to do with what our blindnesses, our unconsciousness. And so in the work, the unconsciousness gets poked into, so to speak, so that something can be seen that we couldn't see before, not only with the mere eye, but with the inner eye. And yes, sometimes it may bring up uncomfortable feelings. Like for me, in my healing, memories that were greatly painful. Mm. But these memories, they still hang around on the cellular level without us seeing them, knowing of them. But they're still there and they intervene and interfere with what I may truly want. So I'm trying to get what I truly want, but, you know, something... Mm -hmm. So it can be, for some women, it's very cathartic, as it was for me, that journey. For other women, like this particular yoni ritual, is they come back the next day in a workshop, and they say, you know, I didn't know that I could feel so much pleasure. Wow. And the pleasure... She could open up into the pleasure by receiving, by letting go. And that requires trusting. For most women, it's about trust. Can I ask and you this? Because um, what you're saying too, it's making me curious about the state of mind or consciousness we hold versus, again, what we may unlock or repress within mm -hmm. our being. 
Do you notice that a lot of people, when they start doing this work, is there any correlation to our intuition or imagination? Like if someone is very rigid, very analytical, very, I don't know, more mechanical in thought, can that also have a direct correlation to when you unlock this energy? Is there a different way that the mind starts Mm. to work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to be very clear. We don't go to these healing rituals right away. Okay. Preparation is called for tuning with ourselves, with our body, physical body, our energetic body. There are meditation practices we teach. There are processes we guide people through long before they go to any healing ritual, either solo practice or partner practice, where they actually can explore tapping into their subconscious. So there are particularly processes, we call them recall uh, processes, where we guide them in a way that they can access their subconscious. Mm -hmm. And then they can see what may be there. So this is a state, yes, where we drop out of the beta brain waves into the alpha brain waves, where we actually are more, you know, just like our conscious mind slows down so that we can access, you know, other states of awareness. And then they identify what may be there. This is not rocket science, you know. It's a a question of brainwave shifts that allows people, and then, of course, it's a very particular guidance that is all centered around intimacy, love, our sexual self. And then people tap into some unpleasant experiences it's another part of the process where we ask them to connect with a pleasant experience. All of it is stored within us. I'll tell you a story. Can I share the story? Please. So when we started this work, you know, when I was an athlete and young, I uh, I was singing one day on the couch with my bro- my father, and we were singing, sitting on the dock of the bay. And my father says to me, son, you cannot sing, you know, and I believed it. And I wasn't trying to be a singer because I was trying to go to college on athletic scholarship and that's probably what he was telling me don't try and be a singer just don't learn to sing just do your athletics anyway when we started this work I wanted to create a way that people could get this work in a theater format because I know that people learn so much through the art form so I so I wrote this play called sexual uh, it was called Tantra Nova Man it was a one-hour show and it was one-man show and there were five songs I wanted to do so in rehearsal, you know, with my theater coach, I, I was singing these songs and Elspeth has a master's in music. And she was like, well, Freddie, you know, you can just speak the words, you know, <laughs> and my theater coach was like, don't listen to her, Freddie. Listen, you keep singing. And, and here's a good voice coach. You know? <laughs> anyway, so I, I did the show for years all over the world. And so there's an example of a story that I believe that through the work I saw was just a story. And was able to walk through my fear through my neurosynaptic belief, you know, watching myself as a curious witness of myself from this consciousness possibility. That's the thing that connects us to this universe, this, yeah. the field, is our imagination. And now he is a phenomenal jazz singer. And now I sing jazz. Oh, really? And do shows, so, soiree shows. I'm going to wow. be doing some stuff. 
uh, at the end of the month. But my point is, is that that's what happens for people, Yolanda. So when they start doing this work, when the story comes up about something that you most deeply desire, but you have a belief that it's not possible, yes, resignation goes away. We get that, oh, I am the author of my life. And you do the things that it requires to get the things that you want, yeah. and but you do it with ease, grace, ease, and flow. And you have to be willing to go towards it. Right. Now, of because course. it's not comfortable. What came up for Freddie was not comfortable. Feeling not good enough. You know, I cannot do Looking it. Looking stupid, sounding horrible. You know, to to yeah. go towards it, it's like moving through the eye of the needle. If we don't move through it, there is no other side. Which is what keeps most of us stuck when we don't have a tool to work with the emotional brilliance of something different. Because yeah. new is chaotic. Yeah. It's like the universe exploding. It's chaos. You know, or you're creating something. It doesn't make sense. It's like okay. you know, files on a desk all over the place. So we use these healing rituals to open up whatever the person who comes wants to open up. In the process, of course, things may show up they never expected. That's the beauty of, you know, the Vesuvius way of healing. Of, And then they are set free. It's the liberation of constriction within us. And then, yes, in, around that sexual creative energy, you know, when we set free life force energy, because when I'm verklemmt in my sexual energy, my life force is constricted so when that gets set free there's so much more available in creativity you know for my physical body for my health and wellness for my emotional well-being channeling that energy into my mental intentions you know what i want to bring forth so and i can use that to fuel my projects in life and self-love practice that sexual meditation practice when we wrote the book because there were times when i got so stuck and like i mean i have nothing to say who is going to listen to me anyway you know i, I was I, I couldn't i had writer's block and and then I said, okay elspeth you know better just go do your sexual meditation i shifted my energy the flow was reestablished. And then usually after that, I had a conversation with Freddie, who always has great ideas, always inspiring. And there I went and, you know, did another, a few pages, but then I am in flow again. It's all about flow. And as Freddie called it earlier, aliveness. Yes, it's amazing, you know, and I just want people to know as well, you do have exercises in your books so people can also start to practice um, with themselves. And you all have mentioned both the practice, our self-practice, as well as with our partners. Um, I We have to talk about your Tantra Nova Institute. So that's where I'm going next. But also curious when people come, is it recommended that we start in a self-practice or is it okay to start as a couple if that's what someone desires? But before that, you all mentioned when you met and then quickly after there was a spark and you two wanted to really share what you were learning to help other people. Why? Why Tantra Nova? What was coming up for you each that you thought we have to share this with other people? And what is the Institute now? Yeah, well, 
the why was that we I I love the work. I had 200 books that, that I'd been reading that were all over my house. It was part of my life, you know. It was my spiritual practice. And so when I met Elspeth and she had taken it on as her spiritual practice as well, it was a perfect move. I mean, it was, again, the story, I'm hating my job, right? Yet I'm doing this work knowing that that's a story, right? So what do I do to keep feeding myself, to create something that's authentically me, that is not helping the world, but sharing something in the world that people who are willing, who want, can learn and take and use and own. So that was the that was the part of it for me. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. So for me, it was when I had this opening, that ritual that I shared about earlier in my shift into trust, that was so life-changing for me. And I got very clear, I then signed up for a certification program to become a Tantra teacher. I left the consulting firm and that was before I met Freddie. I was clear that I wanted to share what was possible for me with other women. And there was also something in the consulting which didn't cover the whole spectrum of who I was becoming. And now the tantric work and working with Freddie and having the Institute is an expression of my fullest being, you know, and, and on all levels, like the body is involved, energy awareness, my intuitive capacities, you know, and all of that has evolved very organically over the last 20, 25 years. And I feel now, you know, I feel really used now in a good sense. Like all my gifts and talents I came here to cultivate, now they have found an expression for the greater good of humanity, so service. to speak. Yeah, to make a difference in the world and having fun with it, you know, and then doing this with my beloved. I mean, isn't it great? And, you know, we are all these unique diamonds and the world will never be the same when we're gone. And that each of us to discover our authentic contribution of service to ourselves and the world. That's what it's about, you know, and, and just own that. And then, you know, making a difference in the realm of the sexual that is so life-giving, yet so constricted, mm -hmm. you know, either obsessed with or suppressed. Look at the advertising, look at all, you know to bringing transformation to that realm that fuels everything. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm even talking about it. I'm getting good. Uh, I know. I see. It's like, you're really lighting up over. I'm like, look at her go. This is beautiful. You mentioned something that's so prolific and available now is moving us in the right direction. It's kind of like the kid who wants to eat, you know, uh, dessert all the time. And so he's okay. You know, eat as much dessert as you want. And then he gets sick on it. And then you say, okay, now let's try some vegetables and protein and different things. Okay, they're open to it then. So we're kind of stuffing ourselves with unconscious sexuality. And after a while, people are going to go, they're going to be more open to sexual meditation. Okay. Like, oh, what else? We can do that with this energy? We can, you know, okay. shift something in our life? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's moving in the right direction, you know, not and, cloaked. And women are discovering things that they could do that they never thought they could do yeah, either sexually. That, 
the more, most important thing for me is to bring consciousness to it and that I could be part of that to move that forward while you know it's like one person one couple at a time even when we teach workshops but it's you know there's uh, millions and millions of people on this planet but even if I could make a little difference where then people go out and they reverberate through their own shifts through their own movement of energy through them being different with their partner, more connected, more harmonious, you know, then that ripples out. And so if I can make a difference there, it was well worth having been here. Yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful. Okay. So you all, even though we said the um, Tantra Nova Institute is in Chicago, can people still work with you all virtually? And how do you have I saw on your site there are retreats and there are also packages so could you tell us a little bit about what's available and how we can connect with you yes thank you so much yeah so um we have like Freddie's men's workshop men's sex and power my women's workshop awaken to your feminine essence they can be attended either in person in Chicago or by zoom So it's a hybrid. They are hybrid. So we have both Zoom people and actual people in the room. Uh, Our COVID workshops all take place here in Chicago because there you need a partner. Of course, either you come with your committed partner or if you come solo, you uh, pair up with a practice partner. Um, Then we also offer one-on-one programs that people can do uh, by Zoom uh, with video modules and, uh, you know, so yes, many people never come to the Institute in Chicago, but have worked with us and just have gotten, you know, equally great results. Mm. Yes, it's interesting too, when I was reading your bio, and I thought, how much you both must really not just be committed to this, but how much it must mean to you to consider all that you've done to um, make it available and accessible for all of us. So not just the Institute, but you've authored books and you, I saw that you had a documentary on Showtime about sexual healing. You've been on NBC talking about the show that was called starting over. There's just so many ways You can tell when people just their passion is in it, right? And what they do to make sure the information is accessible. So I want to thank you both for the work that you're doing. I'm very excited to learn more about your work, but I can't tell you how much I appreciate how much I just learned from you in this last hour. Yeah, thank you for your energy, Alanda, and your platform and having us on. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been incredible. We want to make sure that uh, the audience knows that there's a gift for them waiting. Yes. Yes. And the gift is actually called Introduction to Sexual Meditation. So we thought out of this interview here that uh, you listening here to us, you may have gotten interested in learning more about it. And so to actually be introduced to foundational practices that lead to sexual meditation. So pick up that gift. There's a link I understand in the show. Great. Yes. 
So that's one way how you can connect with us. Then, of course, you can get our book, Sexual Enlightenment, on Amazon. It's available there in hard copy and in Audible. And, uh, yeah, of course, the website, if you want to do some browsing there, uh, tantranova.com, T-A-N-T-R-A-N-O-V-A.com, tantranova, like supernova. <laughs> so please uh, join us in any way or call us up or set up a consultation, if you wish, a complimentary one, if you want to learn more on how this could support you personally and or your relationship yeah there's just so much to dive into around all that you all offer so of course we'll have the link for tantra nova down in the show description the link to purchase the book sexual enlightenment and also the link to the free gift which you know thank you so much for that generous offer so I will be reaching out to you all. I know all of you listening probably have a million questions as well. So reach out to Elsbeth and Freddie Zental and they will yeah. get back to you, I'm sure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lana. Thank you Lana. Happy Lana. holidays. Butterfly kisses. <laughs> okay, beautiful alchemist. I first of all want to thank Dr. Elsbeth and Freddie Zental. I want to thank them both again for that very enlightening conversation. I love that it gives us a different way of looking at even the meaning of sexual energy and even more having consideration of our relationship to this energy, the creative force and nature of this energy, and what it may reveal for us in our healing. Now, as they mentioned, they do have workshops where you can work with them one-on-one -on -one, or you can also um, work with them along with your partner and learn how to come into deeper relationship with the overall essence of intimacy and sexual enlightenment. So if you want to learn more about their work again, be sure to go to their website, tantranova.com. Don't forget to access the free gift that they have offered all of us. The link for the free gift is down in the show description. Also, you can check out their book either on Amazon, you can get the hard copy or you can just listen to it on Audible, which I know a lot of you like to do. So it's called Sexual Enlightenment and the authors are Dr. Elsbeth Moit and Freddie Zental Weaver. Okay, so be sure, let them know whatever questions you had. As they mentioned, you can also have... Um, a consultation with them and you see how lovely they are. I'm sure they will be very responsive for anything you may want to ask. So thank you both for coming to share with us today. And please don't forget, beautiful alchemists, be sure to download the Energetic Alchemist app. There's so much content that I post there for you to support you in your path of energetic alchemy. I also do oracle readings there. There's just a lot of content that I post and share and there's more new content coming of course and sign up for my newsletter while you're at theenergeticalchemist.com so you can get some free downloads right away but you can also join me in upcoming classes including the free class that will be in January I am so thankful for all that we have shared and exchanged together throughout this year I look forward for what we will explore together in the new year but for now just Stay connected. Let me know what you think. 
Let me know what you want to know about. If there's anything you'd like to hear discussed on the show, you can follow me on Instagram at Reiki Radio. You can DM me, send me messages, tag me, whatever you like. I always respond. So that is all for now. Thank you so much for being here. And remember to always journey in love.